Welcome back into the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway, and today is Thursday, February 28th, the last day of February. It's hard to believe 2019 is two months underway. That's a little crazy. There's a lot going on in the world of sports. There's a lot been going on this week, uh, but we have a lot to catch up on. I was sick last week, couldn't make an episode last week, and the week before was a pre-recorded episode with Coach Hootie Ingram. If you haven't listened to that, do check that out. Uh, But there's so much going on in today's episode, so looking forward to diving into that. And uh, before we get started, just want to kind of preview the direction that we're headed today. Uh, I know we've talked about on previous episodes the Alabama football coaches. uh, Those are finalized, and so we're going to go through those. We're going to start there. We're going to talk about Alabama basketball and the current state of Alabama basketball. Currently 17-11, and 8-7 in conference play. Had a big win over South Carolina. Uh, they're 2-0 and in their last two games with wins over South Carolina and Vanderbilt. We'll talk about those games and uh, the upcoming matchup versus LSU on Saturday. Also, the state finals this morning in Birmingham. The Mount Brook Spartans advanced to their third straight 7A state title by beating Lee Montgomery. Um, that was a big story, but the bigger story was all the were all the NCAA head, NCAA head coaches, excuse me, that came to the game to see Trenton Watford, Alabama was there. Uh, there were some other teams there on his list, LSU, Memphis, and a surprise was there as well. Duke, we'll talk about that, and all the coaches that were there and what they saw in Trenton Watford's performance today at the BJCC. And then we'll go around the world of sports, of course, talking about the NBA and um, a variety of different sports, you know, what's going on with the Birmingham Iron and we'll wrap it up with some college basketball talk, some Zion Williamson, of course. Uh, and finishing up, we'll talk about Alabama sports, you know, hit all different teams and give, give an update there. And so let's get this show on the road. This is Episode 8 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm your host, William Galloway. Thank you for listening. Please follow me on Twitter and give me any feedback at WM underscore Galloway. would love to hear your feedback Uh, Any questions, comments, concerns, or anything you have to say about the podcast, my ears are open. So, Episode 7 of the Galloway Podcast, Alabama football. Coach Saban is entering his 13th season as head coach of Alabama, and what a resume he has established for himself. I mean, he has gone through so many offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, assistants, and staff members, top to bottom. There's been change in the program for years and years uh, and I don't think Saban's staff has he's ever put together a staff like this. It's going to be really interesting. Tons of new hires. Let's start uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Steve Sarkeesian is the new offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Of course, he spent the past two seasons as the Atlanta Falcons OC. And before that, he was the offensive coordinator in the college football playoff uh, against Washington in 2017 after he spent the season as an analyst for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Last year in Atlanta, according to RollTide.com, Steve Sarkeesian uh, led the Falcons to a top-ten 
uh, finish in the NFL in passing yards. He finished fourth with 4,653 yards. Uh, he and Matty Ice ran that Atlanta offense. Uh, they finished sixth in total yards to the Falcons with 6,226 yards. And they finished 10th in scoring at 25.9 points per game. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, we know you know his success in the NFL. We know he's coached Alabama. And so um, to bring him back is a good pickup for Saban. He knows the offense he knows the system the program he's spent a year here as an analyst and then one game as an offensive coordinator and one thing that's big too is uh, the Tua factor here you know a lot of people think if Sark stayed at USC um, that Tua would have gone to USC and so you know maybe Tua said you know I don't particularly know who's best for the program but I do know that Steve Sarkeesian would be a good fit for me and the coaches might have seen that and taking that to heart. So Steve Sarkeesian will be the offensive coordinator for the 2019 campaign. Tua Tungavailoa will be under his tutelage. And I really think that that's going to be a good thing for Alabama because Tua likes him and it's a good fit. Uh, So Steve Sarkeesian is the new offensive coordinator. Brian Baker is the new defensive line and associate head coach. I know we're just going to talk about the offensive side of the ball, but Brian Baker pops up next on my list. The 19-year NFL coaching veteran has spent the past three seasons as the Mississippi State D-line coach. Uh, Prior to his time with the Bulldogs, Baker coached uh, defensive line or outside linebackers in the NFL from 1996 to 2014. Uh, He coached with a variety of teams, including the Chargers, Lions, Vikings, Rams, Panthers, Cowboys, Browns, Redskins, and that is all according to RollTide.com. Thank you to Josh Maxson and his staff for posting this release, and so I can kind of share with you uh, kind of the standout facts of some of these guys. Uh, So Brian Baker coming from Mississippi State, and of course he's got plenty of NFL experience, as do many coaches on the Crimson Tide staff. Let's see, uh, Baker's leadership was evident in his three seasons in Starkville, Mississippi State produced multiple first-team All-SEC defensive linemen. Uh, That was the first time in school history that they did that. Uh, Last year, Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons combined for 58.5 tackles for loss and 29 sacks. Um, That wasn't just last year. That was the past two seasons at Mississippi State. So Brian Baker, the new defensive line and associate head coach, joins the Alabama Crimson Tide staff. Kyle Flood takes over the offensive line duties for the Crimson Tide. Uh, The past couple years, past two years actually, he was the Atlanta Falcons assistant offensive line coach and where he worked with Sarkeesian. So he's worked with Sark. He's comfortable there. Um, So he'll be on the offensive line for Alabama. He has 19 years of experience coaching the offensive line at the collegiate and NFL levels. He spent plenty of time with Rutgers as well. So Kyle Flood is the new Alabama offensive line coach. Charles Huff is the Uh, another associate head coach, and he will be manning the run game at Alabama. So Charles Huff was an assistant coach and the run game coordinator uh, at Mississippi State last year. He has 15 years of coaching experience, and he has coached the likes of Saquon Barkley at Penn State. And so Charles Huff comes in. uh, He's coached big-name running backs before. Of course, we know he's going to coach big-name running backs at Alabama, and so that is nothing new to him. So Saban saw – Coach Saban probably saw Coach Huff and said, you know, he'd be a great fit. He's coached big names 
He's coaching big-time games as well. Um, so Charles Huff, the new associate, uh, one of the associate head coaches and running backs coach for Alabama. One thing about him is his uh, one season in Starkville last year, he produced such an effective rushing attack that the Bulldogs averaged 223.6 yards per game. That ranked second in the SEC and 20th nationally. So, of course, Coach Huff is a big pickup for Alabama. Uh, at, at Penn State, you know, I mentioned he had Saquon Barkley. Um, and that's, that's just going to be big for Alabama having Coach Huff. So looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with the running game for the Crimson Tide this upcoming season. Uh, Holman Wiggins, Coach Holman Wiggins, will be the wide receivers coach replacing Josh Gaddis. He was a wide receiver coach and uh, formerly at Virginia Tech from 2015 to 2018. So Holman Wiggins, the new wide receivers coach. Pete Golding stays on staff at Alabama, but was promoted to defensive coordinator uh, after he was the co-defensive coordinator last year. And so not a big surprise that he is the new defensive coordinator. Of course, he'll stay uh, with the inside linebackers as well. He came to Alabama uh, before Alabama. Of course, he was at Texas San Antonio as the defensive coordinator. Uh, and, you know, of course, having him on staff last year, he knows the drill. He's going to head up these new coaches on defense. Uh, and other coaches on defense as well include Coach Charles Kelly. He's going to be another, he's going to be actually the associate defensive coordinator um, and safeties coach. He's a, a native of Ozark, Alabama. And he joins the Crimson Tide staff after one season as the special teams coordinator and safeties coach at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. So Coach Charles Kelly, the associate defensive coordinator and safeties head coach, had one year under Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Before that, he had five seasons at Florida State, including the final four years as the Seminoles defensive coordinator. Charles Kelly, the associate D.C., and safeties coach for Alabama in this upcoming 2019 season. And a name that plenty of people have heard, Sal Sinceri. Sal Sinceri will be the outside linebackers coach. He, of course, comes from Florida where he coached the defensive line in 2018. Uh, His defense forced 11 fumbles, totaled 37 sacks in 2018, uh, before Florida, of course, he was at the Raiders as the linebackers coach. He worked on Jimbo Fisher's staff at Florida State in 2013 and 14, coaching defensive ends uh, before being the defensive head coach in 2014. And, of course, that 2013 team won the national championship at Florida State. And w- we all know that Sal Sincero was at Alabama. His three seasons at Alabama were from 2009 through 2011. He was an assistant head coach and the outside linebackers head coach, so he makes his second stint in the Coach Saban era as the outside linebackers coach for the Crimson Tide. Sal Sinceri, outside linebackers, joining the Alabama football staff. Um, Returning Jeff Banks, Coach Jeff Banks will be the special teams coordinator again, tight ends coach. Uh, Carl Scott will coach the cornerbacks, so they remain on staff Uh, along with Pete Golding. So three returning on-field coaches. Two coaches return to Bama in their second jobs uh, of the Saban era. So the Alabama football coaching staff is making some moves, and uh, hopefully on a future episode we'll try and get – a personality, maybe Rick Carley, maybe Jay Barker, somebody to talk kind of about these coaches and kind of what they bring to the table for this Alabama football program. But I wanted to get this information out there and share with you guys that 
these are the new coaches. These are going to be the new faces we'll see in the spring. And uh, that spring game, which I believe is April 13th at 1 p.m. on ESPN or ESPN2, is coming up uh, just in two months, or really a month and a half. Um, So Alabama football, that's your Alabama football spring update. And we move now in the podcast to Alabama basketball. As I mentioned in the opening, the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team is 17-11. and 11. They're 8-7 and seven in conference play. They've won their last two. Last Saturday, the Tide defeated Vanderbilt at home 68-61. That was a big win. And then 68-62 on Tuesday night on the road at South Carolina. So two recently big wins for the Crimson Tide. Bama only has three games left in the regular season. LSU comes to town on Saturday at 11 a.m., and then the Auburn Tigers come to town next Tuesday, March 5th. That game is at 8 p.m. And then Saturday, next Saturday, March 9th, the Crimson Tide finish out their regular season on the road in Fayetteville to face the Arkansas Razorbacks. And so it doesn't get any easier from here. Alabama sitting on 17-11, and trying to get to that 20-win mark, which you know, I think is kind of the magic number. Not that Alabama needs to win the next three to make the tournament, but a 20-win season in your regular season really is is kind of the benchmark and kind of what you want you set out to achieve, I feel like, at the beginning of each season. You want to have a 20-win season. Alabama's come up short in the regular season uh, in, in the past couple of years, but, you know, of course, last year being able to make the tournament. So we'll see what Alabama can do in these next couple of games. But those two wins over Vanderbilt and South Carolina were huge. I didn't think we'd get a huge turnout at the Vanderbilt game last Saturday at home after a tough three-game skid for the Crimson Tide. You remember Alabama lost three in a row starting uh, on February 12th, that Tuesday at Mississippi State. Tough loss there. Uh, Really didn't look great. And then that Saturday came back home, lost to Florida 71-53, to and so losing two in a row. Needed one on the road at Texas A&M. Didn't get it. Lost by nine, 65-56, and so... You know, a lot of fans turned away, and then Alabama picked up two big wins, especially one big one on the road at South Carolina. And so that is where we are, sitting at 17 and 11. Personally, I think Alabama's in a great position to make the tournament. And here's why Alabama's got three games left against a top 15 opponent in LSU, an in state rival against Auburn, and a tough road game at Arkansas. Alabama's Eight and seven in conference play. Coach Avery always talks about if you can be at or above the 500 mark in SEC play, you're doing a good job because every game in this league is so tough. And Alabama is in a good position to win uh, one or two of the next three. You know, if Al- I think Al- if Alabama wins one, if Alabama wins two more games, I think they're they're a shoe in for the tournament uh, to not be one of those last four teams in. Now, if Alabama only wins one, whether that's one regular season game and one uh, and no games in the tournament. I think they might be a last four team in or first four team in, however you want to look at it. But I really think the Crimson Tide needs two wins, whether that's one in regular season, one in the SEC tournament, or two in the. If, I think I think two wins is really the magic number for Alabama and Coach Avery Johnson. We'll see what they're able to do. I mean, LSU is going to be bringing it. They're they're. 
competing. Uh, you know, they're tied for first with Tennessee and Kentucky at the top of the league, so it's not like they're just going to roll over because it's the end of the regular season and they're guaranteed to make the tournament. They're trying to get that SEC regular season title, so they're going to bring it on Saturday. Uh, Coach Will Wade and his team are really on fire to get that SEC regular season title. I can't think when uh, the last time off the top of my head that they did that. I know they haven't done it in the Will Wade era, but that is something that they're coming for, and so Alabama's got to bring it because they know that LSU is going to bring it here in a couple days in Tuscaloosa when the Tigers come to town. So Avery Johnson is currently 74-57 and and nearly four complete seasons at Alabama. Alabama, I think, needs two wins to make the tournament, sitting at 17 and 11, 8 and 7. We'll see if Alabama, so if Alabama finishes out the regular season, they could go. The possibilities are 11 and 7, the possibilities are 10 and 8, or 9 and 9. Um, and hopefully, nothing worse, nothing worse than 9 and 9. Don't want to have a, don't want to be under 500 when SEC play finishes. Uh, that would be tough, and, and the NCAA tournament look then for Alabama would not be very good. So Alabama basketball, big game against LSU on Saturday coming up, and then next week hosting Auburn on Tuesday and traveling to Arkansas on Saturday. We'll see what Alabama can do. And speaking of Alabama basketball, the AHSAA state finals are going on and have been going on all week in Birmingham. And how does that? what does that have to do with Alabama basketball? Well, I'll tell you, three Alabama men's basketball staff members were in attendance this morning to see Mountain Brook take on Lee Montgomery at the BJCC, Coach Avery Johnson, Associate Head Coach John Pelfrey, and Assistant Coach uh, Yasir Roseman were all there to see Trendon. Uh, let's see, who else was there? LSU was there, Coach Will Wade and his one of his lead assistants. Uh, Penny Hardaway walked in with Mike Miller, and that really turned some heads because he doesn't come. He hasn't been to too many Mountain Brook games this year in the state of Alabama. He went to that hotbed classic in Mississippi, um, but it was big, you know, when when three schools on Trendon's list show up. And the featured guest today were the Duke Blue Devils assistant coaches. That was really cool when Chris Carowell and Nate James from the Duke men's basketball staff showed up to see Trendon and watch him. Uh, there's been some talks of of Trendon uh, getting receiving a late push from Duke, and so you really wonder if that offer comes on the table, does he push aside these four, uh, Alabama, LSU, Memphis, and Indiana, and, and take that Duke offer and join Vernon Carey and company up there uh, for the 2019 Duke signing class, you know, I, I think, I think really what happened is Duke didn't anticipate as many players going to the draft as they now see are going to go to the draft, and so you know they said, well, shoot, we probably need one more guy, we need one more piece if we're going to send this many people to the draft because we had such a high level of success this year, and so I think they're they're trying to make one more push to get one more piece to their puzzle, and that piece is Watford because he's one of the top players left that is a uncommitted, b unsigned. Um, and they've, they've seen him play before in the AAU circuit, and so they know what he can do. And we'll see where Trendon ends up. But, of course, Duke was there today. Will Wade and LSU, Coach Avery Johnson, Penny Hardaway, and uh, Coach Mike Miller as well. It's, it was really interesting seeing all those guys there to watch Mountain Brook. And, you know, it wasn't – Trendon played well. He finished with 14 and 
14 points, 13 rebounds, but it was really the the supporting cast for Mountain Brook that kind of stole the show. Uh, Mountain Brook is competing on Saturday. They'll play Baker for their competing for their third 7A state title, which is just remarkable. The job that Bucky McMillan's done, he now has, today was his 300th win. Uh, Alex Washington hit five second-half three-pointers. He was five for five, finished the game with 19 points. Leo Berman, I think, added 13 or 15. Uh, And so when Watford was really double and triple teamed at times, Berman and uh, Washington really stepped up for Mountain Brook, hit some big shots, and uh, we'll see what Mountain Brook can do against Baker next this actually this Saturday at 5:45 in the BJCC. I really challenge y'all if you are in state and have not seen Trenton Watford play, uh, you might not get the chance to see him play in state after Saturday because Duke is making this push and they could end up getting him if they offer him. Because it, me personally, I don't understand how you tell Coach K no and say I don't want to come play at Duke. Uh, you know that's just on a, honestly like a one way ticket to the NBA. And so if Trenton gets that offer, we might not see Trenton play basketball in Alabama again. So definitely recommend going to see him play and see the Mountain Brook Spartans play. Uh, there, you know, Coach McMillan runs that program so well. And so I'm excited to see the results on Saturday. And uh, we'll see if, if Coach Will Wade sticks around. Talk to him today at the game after uh, after the Mountain Brook game. And he said if they win, he anticipates he'll stay in Birmingham and watch Trendon. Uh, Mountain Brook got the job done today, so it is up to Will Wade to, uh, if he wins, he'll stay in town and watch Trendon on Saturday evening. If not, he'll probably head back to Baton Rouge with his team. But I anticipate Alabama will be in attendance Saturday night uh, regardless whether they win or lose because Alabama plays at 11. That Mountain Brook game is at 545. So I'm sure some more college coaches will be in attendance. Uh, Duke probably not as they've got a game as well. But uh, it was really neat to see all those coaches kind of flock to the BJCC today because that level of attention uh, I don't think has been seen in this state for a long time. Of course, Watford was recently named a McDonald's All-American, uh, the first one from Birmingham since 1982 in Ennis-Watley. Uh, so just a lot going on in the AHSAA state finals, especially at the 7A watching Mountain Brook. There's going to be a great 5A game between Pinson Valley and uh, I'm not sure who they play in the championship, but I know that Pinson Valley team is incredible. Coach Daryl Barber, they play at 215 on Saturday. I think the Hoover girls are back in the championship. I'm not sure that the I know the Hewitt girls are in there. Anyways, a lot of local teams playing over the next couple days at the BJCC and the state finals. That event is always great. I did PA for the 3A games on Wednesday. Uh, those those were really fun. Got to see a lot of at the 3A level. I haven't seen any 3A basketball this season. So seeing some names, guys and girls that. Uh, just I wouldn't have heard of otherwise was really cool and so I really challenge y'all to get down there whether you're watching 1A basketball or 7A basketball you're going to be impressed because the product that's put on uh, to get all the championship games into a week a shout out to Knight Edie for doing that because they do a great job and just the high level basketball I mean this this state has got some incredible prep basketball so go check that out at the BJCC that is the AHSAA state finals report And we're going to move on now to the NBA. This is the Galloway Podcast, Episode 7. Thank you for listening. Please tweet me with any thoughts, questions, opinions, concerns you have on the podcast at WM underscore Galloway. The NBA is really moving and grooving, if you ask me. I mean, what does that mean? Uh, You know, there's a shakeup, and will the Lakers make the playoffs? 
you know, what's going to happen with LeBron and who's he going to bring in in the offseason? What's going on there? Uh, the NBA All-Star game recently happened. The, the halftime show was, uh, personally, I think, not great. You know, J. Cole is, is an entertainer. A bunch of people enjoy him. But you know, when, when the halftime show lasts an hour and the players are begging to, to get out of the locker room and go watch the halftime show, uh, it, it the weekend turns more into a J. Cole concert than an NBA All-Star game with meaningful basketball. I mean, Saturday night tickets were more expensive than Sunday night tickets for the actual game, which is normally the way it goes because Saturday night's kind of the primetime entertainment slot. But I don't know, just the NBA All-Star game, has it lost, has it lost its appeal? I think so. You know, it's kind of like the Pro Bowl. It's just not all that it used to be. But anyways, uh, the state of the NBA, currently the Warriors are sitting first in the West at 43-17. and 17. Uh, They're 23-8 and eight at home. They've won one in a row. The Bucks are uh, are killing it in the East. I mean, absolutely killing it. Giannis and company are 46 and 14. They're 25 and 5 at home. That is a dangerous team that you don't want to see come playoff time. So the Bucks and the Warriors leading their respective uh, sides, the East and the West. But really, when it all comes down to it, I don't think the Bucks are going to be able to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series if that's what it comes to. In uh, in second, you've got the Nuggets hanging on there. They're at forty-two and eighteen, and I say hanging on. I mean they're right there. You know, it's not like the Warriors are head and shoulders above everybody else in the NBA. The Nuggets are, are knocking on the door. I mean they could they could make a run and pass the Warriors and, and maybe grab that one seed. But when you think about it and all the all-stars and all the talent that the Warriors have, it's going to be hard to see the Warriors not win a championship again because that's just kind of the expectation. Uh, talking about the Lakers and possibly missing out on the playoffs, they are sitting in 10th place in the West. They're 30-31. and 31. Uh, That's a winning percentage of 49.2. It's... LeBron, LeBron came out and said he's, you know, the Lakers are activating playoff mode and it's time to go. Well, you know, you're you've won one game in a row, but you know you got you got spots to climb. You you're, I think five. It looks like yeah, five games out from making the playoffs. You know, with the with the Clippers sitting at thirty four and twenty nine in the eight spot. Um, the West looks like this: Warriors, Nuggets, OKC, Thunder in third, Blazers and Fourth, Rockets in fifth, Jazz in sixth, Spurs seven, Clippers eight, Kings nine, and Lakers ten. So can the Lakers make that jump and maybe you know grab that eight spot? Who knows? I don't think so, but we'll have to see. Uh, and then, of course, over in the East, Bucks, Raptors, Pacers, Sixers, Celtics in fifth. Celtics are uh, they've they've dropped four in a row now, so falling to fifth in the Eastern Conference. Nets at six. Pistons 7, Charlotte Hornets 8, Colin Sexton uh, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. For all you Bama fans, uh, they are 14 and 47, sitting at 14th out of 15 in the East. So not great for Colin Sexton, but he is uh, he's doing pretty well himself, putting up some good numbers. So keep up with him, of course, throughout the rest of the year and see what he does in his rookie season. It's only his rookie season, so it's it's all right, but... We'll see what happens and and what pieces uh, the Cavaliers are able to pick up in the upcoming offseason because we know they're not making the playoffs. That's for sure. So from the NBA, we go down to college basketball. 
Zion Williamson is the talk of the town. Of course, Zion and his Duke Blue Devils are 24-3. and They've dropped two from that number one spot. Gonzaga has taken over the number one spot in uh, the NCAA AP top 25. Gonzaga one. Virginia is two. Virginia is 24 and two overall. Duke three. Kentucky four. North Carolina five. Michigan State six. Tennessee seven. Houston eight. Michigan nine. Marquette ten. So, of course, you just look at that and all the blue bloods. You know, you've got your Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Michigan State. They're back at the top. And uh, this year is kind of how college basketball has always. Always been historically, but really this year, I mean, the Blue Bloods are making a name for themselves. Kentucky coming on as of late. Uh, they're 23-4 and overall. They got a big win over Auburn recently and uh, struggled with Arkansas earlier this week, did Kentucky. Uh, held on to win. They were down 11 at half. They came back by one and won by a handful. But uh, Kentucky knocking on the door of being a one seed in the NCAA tournament. But Tennessee is hot on their tail at 7 and, of course, the LSU Tigers are chasing them in conference play. The Tennessee, LSU, and Kentucky are all tied for first in the SEC, so it'll be interesting to see how that shapes out. Now, Zion Williamson and the shoe. I feel like this is almost like a Cinderella story. Uh, and, you know, Cinderella loses her slipper at the ball. Zion Williamson slips out of his shoe. No, it's not. It's, I, take, I, I take that back because here's why. Zion Williamson didn't tie his shoes. They were very, 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 very loosely tied. And people want to say, oh, Duke offers five shoes and he picks the cheapest brand. So they, you know, fired their Nike rep or whatever happened there. Zion didn't tie his shoes very tightly at all. And so why is anyone surprised that a man with a six foot seven, 285 pound frame slipped out of his shoe? Because A, it wasn't tied. And B, when a man goes down of that size with that amount of force on that shoe, you know, I don't really think it matters the the structure of the shoe with that force. And if your shoe's not tied, your shoe is going to split in half. Now, I'm not totally sure the details of what shoe exactly he was wearing and you know the the structure of of what makes up the shoe. But that angle that he at which he fell and that force that he comes down with, I think most shoes are splitting in that situation. Uh, that was that was tough to see. And then of course. Uh, Duke goes on the road, loses to Virginia Tech uh, because they don't have Zion, and they kind of run everything through him. And as the player said, I think it was Jones that said they have all that energy, and they run it through him, and now they've got to kind of figure out who's going to step up. Well, here's the thing. You've got Jones. You've got Reddish. You've got all these guys. You should be able to function for a game without Zion. Now, I understand he's like the bread and butter, and he's the guy, but I really think Duke should have gotten that win at at, uh, Virginia Tech. Struggled, didn't get it, um, but their their chemistry will mesh. And uh, whether Zion comes back this weekend or not, whatever the situation is with his knee, Duke should be okay because they've got five stars galore starting on their team and then on their bench as well. And so I think Duke will end up being okay. Uh, wait, shooting back up to the NBA real fast, I want to give a shout-out to Dwayne Wade and that buzzer beater he had against the Warriors uh Wednesday night, yeah, last night. That was remarkable. I mean, Dwayne Wade in his last season in the NBA, I don't know if y'all saw that play. It was all over Twitter, but Dwayne Wade got the ball, dribbled down, passed it out left to a teammate. He gets it back with about four seconds to shoot, gets his shot blocked in midair, collects the ball, gets the rebound from the block shot, 
throws it up one-handed, and the ball goes in, and they beat the Warriors. I think it was 127 to 125, whatever the final was. That Dwayne Wade play in the NBA has got to be the play of the week. That was remarkable, and especially for Dwayne Wade to do that at his age in this last season uh, was pretty special to watch, and he did it against the Warriors, so it made plenty of headlines. So that's it from the basketball world. We shoot down to Alabama Athletics now as we are into our last segment of the Galloway podcast. We're just going to shoot around Alabama Athletics and kind of I'm going to update y'all on what's going on and uh, and who's playing when and and what's going on. So let's start with uh, let's start with golf. Let's do that. Men's golf. The spring they had a great fall season and they're kicking into their uh, their spring season. Of course, missing uh, Davis Riley after he turned pro, but uh, the Alabama men's golf team recent most recently uh, competed. In the Puerto Rico Classic, they played uh, in Puerto Rico February 17th, 18th, and 19th upcoming. They've got uh, next week, they start on Sunday, March 3rd. They're going to uh, Los Cabos, Mexico, and it'll be the uh, Cabo Collegiate. And so they've got that. That's their next spring tournament. For the men's golf team, the Linger Longer Invitational in Greensboro, Georgia, is March 15th through the 17th. Uh, The John Hyatt Intercollegiate will be in Jacksonville, Florida on March 31st and April 1st. The Shoal Creek Invitational, hosted by Auburn, will be April 15th and 16th in Birmingham. And then the SEC Championships kick off in late April. So that's the Alabama men's golf update. The Alabama women's golf program is fully underway as well in their spring season. They had a successful fall season, and now they are on to the spring. Their first event was uh, was a couple weeks ago in February at the Northrop Grumman Regional Challenge. Ohio State was the host there, and that was in uh, California. So uh, the final results there, I'm going to pull that up. The Alabama women's golf team competing out in California, they placed 15th overall at the regional challenge. Uh, junior Juan Gian finished tied for 26th overall to lead UA. She's actually a classmate of mine in uh, a psychology of coaching class, and she is the number three amateur in the world. And so that's pretty cool. Uh, she was missing from class one day, and our professor said, do you all know where she is? And someone's like, yeah, she's actually the number three amateur uh, golfer in the world, and she's on a trip with the women's golf team uh, and that was where she was, was the uh, Northrop Grumman Regional Challenge out in California, hosted by Ohio State. So coming up next, next week, the Darius Rucker Intercollegiate for the Alabama women's golf team in Hilton Head, South Carolina. That's March 8th through the 10th. Uh, they've got later in March uh, the Evans Derby Experience in Auburn, Alabama. They'll compete in Athens in mid-April, and then the SEC Women's Golf Tournament will be hosted in Birmingham again at the Greystone Golf and Country Club starting on April 17th. On to the softball team. The Alabama softball team is currently undefeated. They've had a phenomenal season. They've been a lot of fun to watch. They beat UAB last night. I believe it was 10-0, to and they are on a roll. They started, they've hosted uh, tournament, the Easton Bama Bash. They started their season at the Trojan Classic, where they beat uh, the likes of Murray State, Troy, Maryland, um, and went 5-0 and there, played two games against Troy, two games against Murray State, and then went to the 
Hillenbrand Invitational in Tucson, Arizona, went 5-0 there. 5-0 in the Easton Bama Bash, beat UAB in a midweek game last night, 8-0. That got stopped after six innings. Uh, and the Easton Crimson Classic is coming up. That actually starts tomorrow in Tuscaloosa, the women's uh, softball team. The softball team, rather, excuse me, will play Michigan State at 4 p.m. here in Tuscaloosa. So the Eastern Crimson Classic, check that out this weekend. Alabama plays two games tomorrow uh, on Friday. That'll be that's March first. Tomorrow, Michigan State at four, Southern Miss at six, and then games on Saturday. Two games there, one thirty and four o'clock, and then one game on Sunday at one thirty. So come out this weekend to watch Alabama softball. They're undefeated. They deserve your support, and they've had a great season so far, and they're going to continue to have a great season. They are 16-0, and which has been really fun to watch. Uh, the men's tennis team will host Florida. No, excuse me. They'll host LSU tomorrow night. I'm getting ahead of myself. Men's tennis uh, is number 20 in the country, and LSU, I believe, is number 18. The men's tennis program is 10-2 and two overall, 6-1 and one at home. So you're going to want to check that out tomorrow night, Friday, versus LSU in a top 25 matchup. That starts at 6 p.m. And then Sunday, March 3rd, uh, the Crimson Tide will host Texas A&M. And so that is your men's tennis update for Alabama men's tennis. The Alabama women's tennis team, is playing as well. They're ten and three overall. They had a tough loss to uh, last. It was last week. They fell to Auburn uh, three to four in Montgomery last Saturday, and they will face tomorrow. They travel to Baton Rouge. Uh, they they so what they do is the opposite of the men. The women's tennis team will travel to Baton Rouge tomorrow and start that match at four o'clock, and then they'll face they'll travel to Texas A and M in College Station to face the Aggies on Sunday with that match at noon. And so that's the Alabama men's tennis, uh, men's and women's tennis update, the softball update as well. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to baseball. Alabama baseball has started their season and yesterday defeated North Alabama. I believe the final score was four to one. It was a beautiful day for baseball. I was at work, but it was a beautiful day for baseball. I was watching it on the TV, and it looked like there were a bunch of students. Um, and so it's a great time of year for baseball. The team is 7-2 and two overall. They've won three in a row, and they are uh, played all their games at home. They went 2-1 and one against Presbyterian to start the season, uh, won a midweek game versus Jacksonville State, went 2-1 and one versus Ball State, and then most recently this past week on Tuesday and Wednesday, they had an 8-0 victory over North Alabama on Tuesday and a 4-1 victory over North Alabama yesterday. They have a weekend series on the road beginning tomorrow in Mobile against South Alabama. That first pitch is at 6.30. Alabama baseball going on the road for the first time in the 2019 season. And to finish up the Alabama Athletics recap, if you will. We're going to head over and talk about the Alabama women's basketball team uh, currently sitting at 12 and 15 overall. That's not, you know, not optimal, not great. Four and 10 in conference play, also not great, but uh, they are wrapping up their season. They play Ole Miss tonight at seven o'clock and they will, those tickets are starting at $5. So if you're not doing anything tonight, head over to Coleman Coliseum, watch the Crimson Tide face the Rebels. 
Black Bear Rebel Land Sharks of, of Ole Miss and Oxford University. Uh, they'll face, and then they'll travel to Missouri and Columbia, Missouri, to face the Tigers on Sunday to close out the SEC regular season. The women's basketball tournament this year, again, is in Greenville, South Carolina, and that will start next Wednesday, March 6th, and go through Sunday, March 10th. So that's the update from the Alabama Athletics Corner. And that really does it here for Episode 7 of the Galloway Podcast, where, of course, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Today we went through and talked about the Alabama football coaching staff, and I kind of highlighted some of the new guys, and uh, there's plenty of returners as well. And coaches making their second stint at Alabama uh, in Coach Sal Sinceri and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Sarkeesian will be the new offensive coordinator, and he is back at Bama. So we talked about the Alabama football coaching staff, talked about Alabama basketball, currently 17-11. and 11. I think they've got to get two more wins to get into that NCAA tournament and secure a spot rather than being one of those last four teams in. Uh, talked about the AHSAA state finals again. Encourage everybody to go out and watch Trenton Watford. Watch some great basketball. Uh, it's going on till Saturday at, at five forty-five. Tickets ten dollars at the door. Visit www.statefinalsal.com for more information. That's a big event. If you're in Birmingham and you're a basketball fan, you've got to check that out. We went through the NBA. Talked about what's going on there and uh, is the All Star Game fun? Is it, is it good? Has it lost its appeal? Tweet me. That's going to be this week's question of the week. What are your thoughts on the NBA All-Star Game, and has it lost, has it lost its appeal? Tweet me at WM underscore Galloway, and we will discuss the All-Star Game. Uh, college basketball, Zion and the Shoe. It really sounds like a kid's book. Um, but, you know, talk about talking about the top 25 there, really the top 10, and kind of how the Blue Bloods are still at the top this year and how that's good for college basketball. And then we went through Alabama athletics. And so thank you so much for listening to the Galloway podcast. I appreciate any and all feedback. Thanks for listening. Once again, there's the right way. There's the wrong way. And there's the Galloway. <laughs>